Um, check, check. We on? There we go. Well, good morning, church. So good to be here today. Um, my wife and I just consider it such a privilege every time we get to set foot in a new church that is just running hard for the things of God. Um, I have my eldest daughter, Sunda, with us right now, and then our two littles. Sunda, you can say hi. Um, our two younger ones, if you want to throw that photo up, that'd be great. Uh, I think are in kids' church right now or children's church. So there's our tribe. We've lived the last 17 years in Zambia, Africa as missionaries with Overland Missions. Um, before I dive into all the things, I'd love for Jess to get to say hello and share what's on her heart. Good morning, church. I just wanted to greet this house this morning. We were so blessed to be invited for the missions banquet last night and to share with you here in your services this morning. Was anybody here in the banquet last night? Yeah, we joined with you, got to eat good food and hear from you and worship and hear from what was going on. Um, if you were there last night, you heard Mr. Dwayne. He was speaking of the ministry that he's doing with the homeless shelters, I believe, in this area, just affecting real community change at a real practical level. We were blessed to hear from him. And he was funny. He was saying some things that if you've been on the mission field, you really know are facts. He, For example, he said, you know, you can't romanticize anything about the mission field because if you think that you're coming and you're going to change everybody and you're not prayed up and, and you're not ready for a battle, then you're going to get kicked in the butt. That's what's going to happen. You're going to go home crying with your tail between your legs. And I laughed from the front because it's true people come into the ministry and into the mission field not realizing what they're walking into. But I want to add to that to that statement that he made last night. I want to add to it this morning and tell you that we are 17 years into a call of God in the international mission field. We've been all over the world. We oversee work in 17 nations. We travel constantly. Our kids go with us everywhere. And from the book of Joshua, you know, after they crossed the Jordan River and after they had already battled all of the and, and taken ground all of the areas that were on that side of the Jordan, he said as he was getting ready to go home to be with the Lord, he said, there is not one good, there is not one word of God that has been proven false of all the promises that he has given you in your time here with me. There is not one word of God that has not been proven true. And there's never a time where we can glorify the difficulties of ministry and the difficulties of the mission field above the good and faithful word of God. And as Jake shares with you this morning of some of the historic and incredible things that we have had the privilege of seeing. It's just because we have seen the faithfulness of God and we've aligned ourselves with the faithfulness of God step by step for the last 17 years. And that, because of that and that alone, we have been blessed to see an effect and a widespread revival happening on the continent of Africa in the place of the traditional leaders of Africa. And we're so blessed to be a part of it. But it's not because we're anything special. We are some of those people that are from the hills of West Virginia. Can anything good come out of Wellsburg, West Virginia? Yee yee! That's to be debated. That's to be debated. But what we know is that every faithful word of God will prove true. And that's what it has been. That's the testimony of our lives. Every story of our lives comes back to the faithful word of God proving true. So I just want to bless you this morning as you receive the word and some of the unbelievable things that we've been privileged to be a part of. And we're thankful to be with you. Bless Amen. you. Amen. Thanks, babe. Amen. 
Are we hungry this morning for the Lord? That we show up ready for Jesus to be who he is and do what he does? Or do we show up saying, hey, could you just temper it a little bit, Lord? I got, I got big plans for the day. My week is really busy. If you would just please not invade it in the way that you would like to, just keep it tempered. I, uh, I, I was raised in an awesome, awesome Christian family uh, that loved the things of God. I grew up as a young kid listening to Keith Green and, you know, uh, hearing the, the just uh, semi-fanatical, you know, uh, presentation of a gospel. And Keith was one of those guys, and, and some of the guys that he ran with had said, are you kidding me? With every eye open, with every head raised, if you're going to give your life to Jesus, you better not be ashamed the day that you enter in, you know? And I just, I heard these kind of messages and whatnot and um, was just so, so challenged as a young, as a young kiddo. And, um, and this isn't really meant to be a whole, this was my life story. I, you know, I, I, in high school years, really came to that point of total compromise where I was running hard after the things of God, but you can't really run after the things of God if you're also running hard after the things of the world. And I was trying to have both. Anyone ever been there? Wanted both desperately, wanted to enjoy the pleasures of the world, wanted to enjoy the pleasures of the Lord, did not want to lose the Lord, knew I needed him, knew he was the, the, the almighty one, knew he was my you know, utter source of salvation and strength. And yet, um, I just, I, I, I lived in that compromised way for many years um, of my teenage years. And I just had a radical encounter with the Lord, and, um, and sometimes that's all it takes, is one day for Jesus to show up in your, you know, kind of Damascus road of, of an experience and to stand in front of you and say, I am that I am, and to shine his light on you, and you're never the same again. And I had one of those moments where, you know, in the natural, uh, life seemed to be going very well. I was the, the star athlete. I was the uh, valedictorian. I, I was doing the things the world told me I should do, um, had all the you know D1, D2 offers and those kind of things as a soccer player, and uh, I hated myself, absolutely hated who I was because I knew I, I couldn't fill the void that was there, and I knew the void was there because uh, it, was, it was that Jesus hole. It was that hole that I'd grown up loving and nourishing and leaning into, and I was so satisfied. And as soon as I turned and tried to create my own reality, my own world, my own, my own standards, um, it, it was the beginning of the end for, for um, you know, my life and its fulfillment of joy and, and all the things that, that God had called me to. And so um, I came back to my parents' home uh, after a long w- weekend of doing a bunch of things I shouldn't have been doing and had one of those moments where I just kind of dropped on the floor uh, before the Lord and, and said, would you take me back, you know, and was broken, truly broken and terrified because I thought, you know, I deserve hell. I deserve, I do not deserve for the Lord to say, sure, come on back. Um, I tasted of his goodness. I tasted of his love. And I was pretty convinced that I was going to receive his punishment and nothing else. Uh, it's crazy when you live in sin, you, the knowledge of God, you lose it. You, you're understanding, you're, you can't live in faith and live in sin. You know that, right? You can't, you can't increase in grace and faith and increase in sin. The two are absolutely, completely opposed to each other. And uh, I was so devoid of revelation and understanding that I was convinced God hated me. 
And uh, in that place, a crying out, the presence of God filled my room, and I was terrified, utterly terrified, because I thought, he's going to kill me, and I deserve to die. And um, I, I laid on my floor as a 17-year-old trembling, and uh, I got quiet as the presence of God intensified, and, um, and I laid there you know, quietly in that place of trembling and, and terror, and the voice of God spoke to me for the first time in, in a long time. And what he said to me was, Jake, I still love you. That was it. He didn't bring a heavy-handed rebuke. He didn't tell me all the things he, he very well could have and should have told me about how on earth did you end up here? You know, I mean, your parents and, and so many people mentored and poured into you. And what are you doing on this floor right now? He just came and he awakened in me the very thing that I'd lost. I'd lost sight of the fact that he loves and that he loved me, and, and that was always where it began. And, you know, what's amazing is we think sometimes, oh, well, if God did that, you know, how ridiculous, because you think he just wants you to stain your sin. If the love of God touches you like that, the last thing on your mind is that you're going to stay in sin. Let me promise you, when he knelt down to the adulterous woman, and he said, has no one else thrown a stone? And she's looking around in total dismay, thinking, who is this guy? You know, and he says, neither do I. And he lifts her up, what does he say? Now go on and sin no more, right? The whole utterance being, listen, this is not who you are. And that's what was conveyed in that moment was, Jake, I still love you. You've just, you've, and, and, and what flooded me was this reality, this revelation that, wait a minute, I'm, to, I'm, a, I'm in a, a total and utter deception right now, thinking I'm something I'm not, forgetting who he's called me to be, forgetting who I actually am under his banner, under his love, under his reality, according to his scripture, according to his word. And, and that, that sparked a, a, um, a, what's the right word for it? A momentum that has not stopped for the last 21 years of my life, almost 22 years of my life now, where the love of God so radically shook me to my core. I ran downstairs, told my parents, hey guys, listen, I know I've got a whole layout, you know, for my life. I was going to do uh, aerospace engineering, had all these things. I fortunately hadn't signed any letters of intent, called everyone up, said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm wiping it all off the table, and I'm going to stand before the Lord and hear what the Lord wants me to do. And very quickly, the Lord made it very apparent that he was calling me into full-time ministry. And um, my lovely wife, Jessie, and I, who she was my, my uh, best friend all through grade school and, and high school and um, you know, we uh, very quickly decided, hey, this is the same path the two of us are on, um, and here we are. 21 years later, after, after uh, you know, that incredible encounter, and we're serving the things of God, running all over the nations, uh, our family will leave in nine days for the Amazon, we'll fly to there back to Florida for a few days, we'll fly via, to Zambia via Paris to touch in with some pastors, land in Zambia, and, um, and then we're ready to, to run for the year uh, with our teams. As Jesse said, our Overland Missions is now based in over 16 nations of the earth, uh, four continents, and the Lord just continues to break open, you know, this incredible, uh, or I should say orchestrate this incredible, you know, kingdom reality that is available to each and every one of us today. And if I leave you with anything today, I want to leave you with this understanding that the opportunity to walk in all that Jesus Christ walked in and all that he 
and all that he commissioned us to walk in is available to you. The last thing I want to do is come here as the missionary and put on this dog and pony show and have you go, wow, Jake, he's awesome. And if we could just be like Jake one day, I mean, the amount of people over the years that come up and say, if we could just do what you do. And I say, stop, what do you mean by that? If you could just do what I, what does that even mean? No, the capacity of all that he is, is inside of you. It's the revelation that came when he was, when he was raised you know, from, from, from the heart of the earth. And he came out and declared, it is finished. And all the Pauline epistles just reveal, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. Past tense. We got to get our tenses right in the scriptures. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And if you've never settled for a moment to say, wait a minute, if that's the word of God, and if that's my word, which it is your word, you don't have to pray about it. It is your word. It is the word for the body of Christ and every individual in it. If that's my word, what does that mean for my reality today? What does that make me responsible for in my kingdom responsibility, in my mandate of my life, in my family, in my workplace, in my community? And if we don't take that very seriously, we're going to miss. We're going to miss out on what God has put us here to do. Because let me guarantee you this. The kingdom of heaven is not about you getting a insurance policy that you keep in your back pocket that guarantees your way into heaven when you die. The kingdom of heaven is not simply so that you can go, well, I rest assured, at least I know when it all goes down, heaven is my reward. Let me promise you that the kingdom of heaven was always meant to be a place that, was, that, that suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven was always meant to be a place where a remnant of people who call themselves by the name of Jesus Christ, Christians, it means little Christ. We've distanced ourselves so much to what the early reality and revelation carried. You are meant to be someone, when they watch you, they go, wait a minute, you live just like Jesus lived. Not only in his speech, not only in the way you love, but in his authority and his power and his mercy. How do you do it? I didn't know it was available to us mere humans. Well, that's the revelation. Is that Jesus has said his son, the father has said his son, Jesus Christ, in us. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says, Christ in us, the hope of our glory. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives within me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, right? We have so many verses of Scripture that, that are so pertinent to our, the expression of our lives right now, but we've not handled it well. In fact, in the, in the, to the church of Corinth, it says, this is how we are to be regarded as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. What does that mean that you're meant to be a steward of the mystery? Well, it means this. You get to know the mystery. It's not a mystery to you anymore. If you're a steward of the mystery, it means you carry the mystery and the revelation thereof, not only for your own life, but for the earth. So what happens when you begin to walk around going, I, I, I understand, I carry the revelation of the mystery, which is no longer am I identified by that which used to identify me. No longer does the system of the world and those things that I were victimized by permitted to identify me for another moment. I'm identified by his word. I'm identified by his glory and his grace. I'm identified by his finished work. And it changes everything. 
And you don't have to wait to see the expression of it before you have faith in it. It's exactly the opposite. We walk by faith and not by sight. You're meant to grab a hold of the reality of his word and to believe it until the expression comes forth. It's exactly what happened to Abram in, in Romans chapter 4 where it talks about Abram was told, you're going to be the father of many nations. Remember, he had no children. Sarah was totally barren. It was literally an impossible situation. Sarah laughed when she heard God say it, right? <clears throat> it says that Abram gave glory to God, praising God for the thing that he had not yet had. And his faith increased as he lived out that, that, that reality. How much more? If we see it worked for Abram, who became Abraham, who actually became the father of many nations, when God speaks a word over us, when Romans chapter 12 says, to present ourselves as those who are in fact holy and acceptable to God, and this being our spiritual act of worship. You know what kills me is so often the church gathers together, we worship in emotion, but we never worship in faith. We come together and we want to show the emotion, show God how sorry we are, and we believe that that's sincerity. But Father's saying, I'm looking for worshipers to worship me in spirit and truth. That means you'll come to me based upon my word. You'll present yourself as a free will offering, knowing that you are holy and acceptable because of the finished work of my son. And in that place, you become a spiritual act of worship. Meaning when we come to worship, we stand and say, Father, thank you that I am in fact holy and I am in fact acceptable based upon the finished work of your son and I worship you because of what you did 2,000 years ago. I worship you, Lord God, because of what you've identified me with in the beloved in Jesus Christ. You see the difference? And the incredible thing is it's available. It's available. And I, and I, I'm so convinced of this. I mean, I, I spent years of my life in my, in my teenage years being totally and utterly dominated by sin. Why? Because I was trying so hard to perform that which he had already done on my behalf. I didn't accept any identity. I would say, no, God, I'm just a measly sinner. I, I'm, I'm just a worm. I'm trying so hard and I'll get it right. But don't you give me your love. Don't you give me your mercy until I get this thing right. Thinking I was doing something well. The whole while, the whole time, I'm scorning the grace of God. I'm saying to Jesus, what you did on the cross was not enough to cover me. What you did on the cross was not enough to liberate me. Maybe everyone else, but I'm a whole other case scenario. And we get in this mentality, it's crazy. We, 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 we slot ourselves in and go, well, I've just done the unforgivable thing. Now Jesus can never use me again until I earn my way back. We get that old American thing in us. I'm going to earn my way and God's going to be proud of me. Hello. I can say it because I've been there. I've lived it out. I've walked it out. I've thought it time and again, even after having revelation. Then I have to stop myself and say, Jake, what are you doing? You're never, ever going to be able to be the expression of all that he is and all that he's called you to if you do it your way. It has to be his way. What time we got to land? 11? Okay, got it. I'm with you. Let's quickly turn to Ephesians. I, I want to I walk through a few scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry 
for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. You know what I love about any time I invest myself in the reading of the word and, and recognizing what Jesus Christ has accomplished on, on our behalf and the standard he has set before us saying, this is what I've called you to live up to. It's always so far greater than anything I ever understood. It's always so far greater than anything I could actually manifest in my own work. It's like when Jesus was with the disciples and he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you have no place with me. And they went, that's impossible. The Pharisees represented the greatest, you know, uh, religious expression that they had ever dreamed of. They had these long prayers. They had spent years learning to orate. They walked around in such a haughty way. Their, their robes, you know, were so dignified. And those, those, those followers of Christ thought, then it's impossible. We'll never, we'll never make you happy, God. We can never be yours. And yet at the same time, you know, Jesus so often said these things with tongue in cheek going, I'm going to give myself as a gift to you so that you can fulfill the very thing that you're required of. Right? It's exactly what he did. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of these Pharisees, you have no place with me. And I'm going to give myself as a gift of righteousness to you. And here we are today with the revelation, with the mystery, with the full understanding, with the book in front of us, understanding his plan, understanding his purpose, understanding his promise, being able to say, Jesus, thank you. And in that place, I walk by faith and not by sight. I thank you, Lord God, that I'm going to be an administration of the full stature of the Son of God because it's your plan and your purpose for my life. We have in 2 Peter chapter 1 the same thing where, where God reveals that we have received all things that we need for life and godliness. And he says, according to his glory and according to his excellence. Praise God. Praise God that you are being called from a standard that the world has set. And he's saying, no, heavenly standard. Do not submit. Do not, do not settle for anything less than his standard. Do not settle for anything. Now, what does that pertain to? It pertains to your own personal life. It pertains to your marriage. It pertains to your children and the way you raise your kids. It pertains to your home. The standard of his glory and his excellence. So when's the last time we've sat down and laid it before him and said, Father God, does my marriage represent the standard of your glory and your excellence? If not, have your way in me. Convict me. Confront me. I lay it down, Lord God. If I've been set on this earth to be your expression, if I've been set on this earth to be the one to carry the glory of God and to reveal you to the earth, God, far be it for me to settle. I was just reading about Abram the other day and, and recognized that his father recognized the call to go to Canaan. Did you know that? And it says that as he set off for Canaan, he ended up, and I, I actually forget, Hebron maybe it was, but he ended up somewhere else and decided, he looked around and said, he settled there instead. And then you think about how long it took for God's chosen people to acquire the chosen land of Canaan. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Maybe it all could have been thwarted had dad not settled. And decided, this is good enough for me. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we have the latitude to make that decision? If we call him King and Lord, if we say, you're King of kings and Lord of lords, and I give you my life, and we sing the songs valiantly and wonderfully, and it feels so good, 
Do we actually lay down when the rubber meets the road, when, with, with, the, with the nitty-gritty things of life and say, Father, you are king of my life. Does this glorify you to the highest degree that you've called me to? And what's incredible is right now it might feel like a rebuke, but it's an invitation. He's saying, come, it can be higher, it can be better, it can be greater. The expression of the, of, of the divine nature in your life can be to the extent that like Charles Finney of old, he'd walk into a modern day Walmart and the whole place would go under the power of God. People would start to cry and weep and say, why is it that I feel like my sins are being laid bare on me and I, I feel I need God and I need to repent and he wouldn't even open his mouth. The atmosphere that he carried, the standard of his glory and his excellence was made available to men and women of old who grabbed a hold of it and walked it out. Why not us? Why not us? I mean, to me, this is, this is the thing that wakes me up every day. The, the thought, why not us? Now, I, I don't get it right every day. There are certainly days I, I go to bed and go, whoo, okay, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that regardless, I... You've given me the unbelievable privilege of saying, I present myself to you holy and acceptable. Jesus, thank you for your finished work and all that you've done in me. Give me a new mind and a new heart and a new eyes, eyes to see and ears to hear. Let's go forward tomorrow. Some of you have, have hit a momentum where you're just accumulating a, a lack of faith. Just stop that thing now. Bail off of that train and get before him again. Present yourself as a free will offering. Present yourself as one who has been taken from death to life. One who actually is, a, is called to be the representation of his very resurrection life. That is the standard. Nothing less. Nothing less. But Jake, I'm tired. Jake, I'm frustrated. Jake, you don't understand this thing I've walked through. I, here, here's the reality. You've, you're all walking through difficult things. I know that. But his life has given us the ability to handle walking through the difficult and still revealing the divine. Walking through the, the, the seeming impossible and walking out as one who is not even, not even showing the marks or the scars of the fire. 2015, I was asked by Chief Chipepa to head to uh, DR Congo. We've done work all, extensive work all, out, all throughout um, Sub-Saharan Africa, and a lot of our work has been focused on remote, unreached people groups. Well, to reach the remote and the unreached, it's just not comfortable. So you're not going to give yourself to Jesus and say, by the way, I just slid back a counterproposal and asked for comfort all the days of my life. If you can sign off on that, you know, it'd be great. He's not going to sign off on it. He's going to say, okay, I can see you're still considering what it looks like to follow me. Because some of us think, no, I signed that. I signed the lesser contract, the easier one. You seem to have signed the, the missionary contract. I just signed the nominal Christian contract. There is no difference. There's either all or there's nothing. It's why Revelation makes it clear. If you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. Why? Because he gave all. He has the authority, the ability to demand all. And it is a demand. It's not even a suggestion. But in that demand, that fire in his eyes saying, this is the greatest thing for you. It will bring you life and life abundantly. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come. It's the invitation of the king, but it'll never lessen the standard. 2015, I got invited to go into an area of Congo that was just notoriously difficult, and it was a, a chief of Zambia, and I wish I had time to tell the stories of the connections and all that God's done, but I end up in DR Congo, several days journey into the interior, 
And the first night I'm there, the chief welcomes me, and we're believing God for just a revival to hit this location. And uh, I, I'm put in a in a uh, a lodge, not, well, a, a mud hut that night that that is you know kind of their way of saying, hey, we've we've set up a place for you. And uh, midnight comes, my door gets kicked open, people come in, grab me, grab the man who I have with me as a translator who's also a lawyer, and, uh, and before we know it, we're in jail in Congo. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to stand up on a stage and to present these things, and it's a whole other thing when you're in the middle of DR Congo, in prison, going, I'm ruling and reigning in Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? Listen, I'm just telling you, we can, uh, you're all walking through your stuff. You got to learn how to do it. You got to learn how to take the reality of these things and to engage with whatever nitty gritty thing you're walking through in life right now and believe God for his expression, his way and not stop. Do not relent until you see it. Within 24 hours, the same men that grabbed us, threw us on the ground, roughed us up and put us in jail were coming back to us shaking, hands shaking. Je suis désolé. Je suis très, très désolé. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. It turns out the emperor, Emperor Mwantia of, of, of really sub-Saharan Africa, a massive father figure, heard that we were imprisoned and for 40 years had been crying out to God to bring missionaries to his people. The first word he gets, we're already in jail. This man has more authority than anyone on the continent in that stretch of sub-Saharan Africa. And he uses all of his authority to release us, to have us released immediately. We meet up. Uh, about two weeks later, and all I do is share from the scriptures. This is what God believes for Congo. This is what God sees when he sees Congo. This is what God sees when he sees your people. He just needs one man to stand and to, and to carry his heart and to, and to bow their knee before Jesus Christ. And if you're not going to do it, someone else will. But I believe God's called you. And that man, in, who in the history books had never bowed his knee to anyone who was not permitted to by his elders and whatnot, bowed his knee to Jesus Christ and made a radical profession of faith and shook the, the continent overnight in his, in his posturing. And what happened was we brought him down to our mission base in Livingston, Zambia, from there, all of the chiefs under his rule and reign gathered together to see what dad was doing coming to Zambia, uh, to Livingston. We had a week of revival meetings where all that entire Lunda Luba tribe was shaken by the power of God. And um, here we are six, seven years later. We have mission bases all over the Lunda uh, land in uh, Zambia, parts of Congo, Angola, um, God has broken open things, you know, that, that we would have never dreamed or imagined, but it came out of an imprisonment. It came out of a moment where many would have said, it's time to hang up the missionary shoes, Jake. It's time to start thinking about your family a little more. It's time to stop to start taking less risk, right? Because this is what happens. Right when you're on the cusp of breakthrough, right when you're there, the devil comes in and does an all-out attack on you to try to convince you, listen, it's time to slow down. And then this is what the church does. Oh, the Lord must be saying it's time to slow down. That must have been Jesus just, just telling you, you, you've run too hard. Are you kidding me? We got to get serious about these things. These are, these, are, these are matters of life or death. And sometimes we think it's just about us getting it right. No, it's about you getting it right for the nations. 
It's about you getting it right for your community. It's about you getting it right for the broken and lost that are all around you, waiting for you to arise and shine, for your light has come, the glory of God has come upon you, so that they can see and know. And, and, then, and then it really starts to get fun when you begin to realize, wait a minute, God has blessed me supremely so that I can be a blessing to the nations of the earth. So in my existence, I can, I can walk this thing out called ruling and reigning according to the kingdom of heaven under the banner of King Jesus. It's what you've been called to. Praise God. We talk about this, um, and I know I'm, I'm landing now. Um, we, we, we get excited for April 9th, this amazing gathering. I believe, I pray that you'll have thousands of people come together for that. The only way for that to be an explosion, though, is not just having pastor up front you know, kind of getting people excited about it. it means from today until April 9th, every day you're out in your community, you are representing the kingdom of heaven. You're laying hands on the sick, you're watching them recover. You're, you're speaking life to people. You're telling people, don't you know that there's a glory available to you, that there's a grace and excellence available through Jesus Christ. He's chosen you because he loves you. There's so much more, so much more. That's what I love about the book of Romans is it tells us time and time again, although death entered through Adam, life entered through Jesus. And because life entered through Jesus, there's much more grace, much more grace to the extent that we rule and reign. We got to get our eyes off Adam because it's not about Adam anymore. It's not about the sinful desire. It's not about the sinful nature. But what about that? No. How about we become so intoxicated by his word, his ruling, his reigning, and the fact that we're now to be presentations as instruments of righteousness that sin just falls off. That it doesn't have to be the supreme you know, battle any longer that we can actually just believe God for his word and become so focused on all that he's called us to that when sin knocks at the door, there's not even a landing strip on our life anymore for it. We're so offended that it would even think it has an access point into us anymore. Don't you know what the scriptures say? Sin will have no dominion over me because I'm no longer under the law. I'm under grace. The word of God just become, it, it becomes your word. It's not just a word. It's your word. That's the privilege we get to carry. Hallelujah. So, Father, I just thank you for every person here. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for just that momentum. I just feel like a heavenly momentum. It's like a freight train. Thank you, Lord God, for the anointing. Thank you, Lord, for Isaiah 61. I just see it as such a clear banner over so many people right now, Lord God, that the same thing that Jesus read and declared, this has been fulfilled in your hearing, Lord God, that the anointing of God is upon each and every person here because they have been anointed to preach the good news to the poor. I thank you, Lord God, that they will trade beauty for ashes, Lord God, the garment of praise for a heavy spirit, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that they will walk in understanding and boldness will come upon their words, that they will speak under the... Under the the revelation and the volume of heaven, Lord God, that their, their voices will be like the sound of many waters, Lord Jesus, and they will be able to scour this community and reveal the heart of God, reveal the authority of God, reveal the, reveal the love of God. I thank you, Jesus, that your word dwell in them richly. I ask, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ that the eyes of their hearts would be open to know the hope that you've called them to. I thank you, Lord, that you silence the voice of the accuser and that if there's anyone in this room tonight or this morning, anyone in this room this morning that has been feeling victimized, has been feeling like they, they've been dealt a bad hand, and because of that bad hand, they're stuck where they are. I pray for the grace of God and the glory of God to rest so heavily upon them that they would know that they know 
that they know that they will never be victimized again, that they can never be identified as a victim again because they're yours. When they're in your hand, Lord God, you wipe away every scar. You wipe away every fear. You wipe away every anxiety. You give them a new name, Lord God. You set them up on high places, Lord God, set and established under the banner of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for freedom in this place. Thank you, Lord, that people walk just knowing that they're yours. I thank you, Lord, that you cover and heal what I see is years of just battle and fighting. I thank you that you come in and, and, and make a, a, just touch families today, Lord God. Touch them, touch them, bring them back, bring the children back, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that marriages are restored by the authority of the King of Kings. I thank you, Lord, that things that people have clung to for, for years, that they would let go today, knowing that it's not hurting anyone but themselves. And ultimately, it's creating the barrier. It's creating the the blockage for Jesus to flow through their lives. Let Let them have the same supreme faith and confidence in their marriage as they have in every other part of their lives under the banner of Jesus Christ. Just apply it, Lord, like healing salve. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we're not here to play games. We're here to establish your kingdom your rule, your reign, your way. Jesus, we thank you for your love and your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that none of this is possible apart from you, that it's your life, it's your grace, it's your goodness, it's your presence, God. We love your presence. Thank you, Lord God, you've given us boldness to approach your throne of grace. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. So, Father God, have your way. Do what only you can do. Set your fire in this place in every heart. Father God, let there just be a, a, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, of the wind of heaven upon each and every life here, God, that they would have eyes that see and ears that hear, postured according to your word, and that they would love your word. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.